Welcome to Pick Up and Deliver, the podcast where I pick up my audio recorder when I drop my kid off at school and deliver an episode to you while I walk home. I'm Brendan Riley. Well, good morning, listeners. It is February 28th, but I'm releasing this podcast on February 29th. February 29th, Leap Day. Because of the weird structure of our calendar and the strange amount of time that it takes for the Earth to pass around the sun, over time we would lose our calendar. Our calendar would fall out of sync if we didn't, once every four years, offer a corrective day to get the calendar back in sync. Hence, Leap Day. February 29th, once every four years, the day this podcast is being released. In honor of that, I thought I would make an episode about five unique gaming moments. Now, I will say some of this is a little ridiculous because unique means singular. One. It's not a thing that can happen more than once. All of these things that I'm going to list today have happened more than once. So I'm not, I don't really mean unique. I mean... Unusual, very special. In fact, Leap Day itself is not unique. It happens every four years. So maybe I mean very special moments. So I have five gaming moments that I want to offer that represent either experiences or game forms or something that are unique to me. Two of these are more uh, focused on the experience I had than the game itself, and three of them are about games. So we'll alternate. We'll start with an unusual game. Uh, last year, I backed Gabe Barrett's Kickstarter for his game, The Final Flick Tier. The Final Flick Tier is a 4X-style uh, space adventure game mixed with a dexterity game in which you are flicking dice around, the, around this neoprene mat in order to accomplish your goals. Uh, the dice, of course, you have your standard D6s, but you also have some... D4s, some D8s, D10s and D12s, and one D20. So as a result, the the flicking is quite varied. You're not always flicking discs. Sometimes you're, uh, like in a lot of flicking games, you're flicking the same kind of thing each time. Uh, in uh, Flick 'em Up, for instance, you're flicking a, a little disc uh, over and over again. Well, in this game, sometimes you're flicking a cube die, a D6 which rolls in a certain way. And then other times you're flicking a D20, which rolls much more efficiently. So if you flick the same with the same vigor, it's going to go much further. So it really an interesting experience. Plus then on top of it, you're not just trying to hit something or, you know, crokinole style land in a specific spot, but instead there's a variety of different things you might be trying to do depending on what task you've chosen to attempt. So really, it's a very special experience uh, compare, when compared with other games of its sort. Uh, really fun to play. Interesting mechanisms. The Final Flick Tier. That is the first of my unusual or special experiences. The second one I want to offer is an anecdote uh, tied to a special experience. And this would be the first time I played Time Stories. Over the years, I've talked about time stories a number of times in this podcast, so I'm not going to go into it too deeply if you haven't encountered it before, except to say that time stories was an early uh, 
example of the one play phenomenon in which you have a game where you buy it and you play it one time and then you can't play it again. Now, unlike uh, Exit, where the game is physically destroyed, uh, Time Stories, you at least could give it to someone else. So the game itself is playable again. It's just you can't play it because you understand the puzzle and the narratives. When this came out, it was quite a big deal. People were up in arms about it. There was all this conversation about, well, what do you do with a game? What, what do you mean you can't play it again? That, that's uh, People were talking about it. it's not... It's in violation of the spirit of board games. But at the same time, every reviewer I talked, every reviewer I encountered said, this is an amazing experience. You have to try it and can confirm it was an amazing experience. In fact, my group liked it so much. We played every chapter of Time Stories and we're preparing here in mid-March to play the next chapter, the first chapter of the new set. So uh, we're still we're still in on Time Stories. We love it. Admittedly, it's grown a bit creaky in the years since it came out because there have been, it's got a lot of competition now. There's a lot of escape room style games. There are Exit the Game and Unlock and uh, Escape Room in a Box and Escape the Room and any number of other games that are built around the idea that you could play them one time and then you don't get to play them again. But Time Stories stands out to me as this example of the first one of the first games to really take hold and and play that way. And the the actual experience of playing it was something unlike anything else I've experienced before. Uh, It had such a robust narrative and such a great cooperative experience, and it was such an experience game that I'm really glad to have tried it and encourage you to do the same if you have the chance. That's Time Stories. Uh, The first one is called Asylum. So the next game I want to talk about that is an unusual gameplay experience that you should try if you get a chance is Escape Curse of the Temple. This is a game that's very has been very popular in its day. It's not one that I see on the table very much anymore. In fact, I can't remember the last time I played it. It's been years. But I cannot think of any other game like this. So the way Escape Curse from the Temple works, you have a bunch of pawn. You each have a pawn and five dice. And you start in the center tile of this temple. In order to move to another temple, or in order to move to another room, you have to first roll two of these little green men, which is the dice you have. I think two or three of the sides are these little green men. Uh, You have to roll two of these little green men, and then you spend them by picking them back up and put out a new tile. That new tile will have on it some icons indicating what you need to roll to move onto the tile. It could be, let's say, a little green man and a torch. So then, in order to move onto the tile, you need to roll a little green man and a torch. When you do that, you uh, can then move onto that tile. So the thing is, you only have five dice, but you're allowed to roll the dice as many times as you want. So if you roll them and you get three keys, and you need a little green man and a torch, you can just pick them back up and roll them again. So there's this, uh, and there's you know up to five of you at once playing, and you're all rolling dice at once and moving your people as you go. But there's two things that get in your way. One, there are there is a gold face and a black face on the die. Uh, the gold face is a, um, the gold face is a, a, a gold mask which unlocks the black faces, it unlocks one gold mask, unlocks two black faces. 
Uh, and then the blackface is a, a curse mask. If you roll that, you can't pick that die back up again until you or someone else whose pawn is in the same room as you has a gold die to spend. So there's an interesting mechanism where you want to keep an eye on the other players, and when you get a gold die, you, like in our group, we'll just say, Brendan, pick up two. And that's a way of saying, I've spent a gold die, you can pick up your two black dice. It's a good way to uh, keep going. But you could have someone be in a room by themselves trying to roll the dice they need to get out, and one by one rolling these black dice and getting locked in there. And then they can't do anything until someone else comes in to unlock them. So all of that sounds fun and a little amusing. But what makes the game amazing is that it has a soundtrack. The way the soundtrack works, you have a certain amount of time. Three, uh, I think the game is... I don't know how long the game is. Six minutes? Eight minutes? Ten minutes? Something? Maybe ten minutes? And three times during the game, there'll be a gong. And then when that gong sounds, that means you have to get back to the middle room, the, the central room that you started from. And if you haven't made it back to the gong by the time the chime sounds or something, or vice versa, whether there's a gong and then there's a rumble and then a crash. If you haven't made it back to the room by the time the crash sounds, you lose one of your dice and now you only have four dice instead of five. Um, the goal of the game is as you're exploring the temple, you're going to find these rooms that have these gems in them. In order to get the gems, you have to accomplish things that involve spending a certain number of dice, keys usually, or torches. And it's almost never something you could do with just one person. Often you couldn't do it with two or in order to do the really good result. So there might be a result that has three gems or two or one. To get the three gems, you need nine keys, let's say. So that's really hard to do with one or even two people. Three people could maybe do it easily. So there's an element of getting these gems. And once you have a certain number of gems, then you can leave the temple after you find the exit. So then you have to find the exit as well and then get to the exit and uh, open it up with the, uh, with the keys and then you get out. And the more gems you have, the fewer keys you need to get out. And whenever you get out, then you get to give one of your dice to someone who's still in. And the goal is to have everyone get out by the time the third gong sounds. And if you haven't gotten out by the time the third gong sounds, then uh, the whole team loses. It doesn't matter if one person gets out. If you don't all get out, you lose. That's Escape Curse of the Temple. It's great. And I have the big box, so they have like six little mini expansions that add different variety to it. We don't use them very much because we haven't played a lot. But if you were to play it a lot, they, they add a nice variety. Different kinds of tiles and whatnot. That's Escape Curse of the Temple. So the next game I wanted to share that's more about a story than about the game is a tale uh, about Survival of the Wit Witless. Survival of the Witless is an academic game. It's, it was created by someone who uh, taught in an English department in the 90s at a college, and it has a kind of bitterness and insider knowledge that only somebody having gone through that experience could have. It's very silly, but also very dark. There's some really amusing stuff about publishing and getting tenure and office politics, and uh, it feels suited all that said uh, it's not a great game it's a little slow but it's very funny and one time I played it at an academic conference with a bunch of academics and we were enjoying it we're playing in someone's hotel room having a good time there's a part in the game where if someone tries to do something to you you can play a card with a particular label on it and shout that label and that will get you 
uh, that will get around the card that someone has played on you. Well, we're playing, and I hear a knock on the hotel door. So I go and answer it, and there's hotel security to tell me that we have a noise complaint because of this game we're playing. And just as I open the door, one of the people behind me starts shouting at the top of his lungs, Academic freedom! Academic freedom! And of course, uh, this is just as the security guard is telling me we need to keep it down. So uh, much embarrassment and hilarity ensued when we learned that we had been scolded for playing our board game too loud at the hotel. Our board game about being professors. So that was uh, Survival of the Witless, a pretty goofy but enjoyable game, um, even if it's not not very good as a game. Uh, nonetheless, pretty enjoyable. I've actually discovered this is a fairly widely owned game. I've encountered a lot of other people who own it, uh, particularly academics. I think probably at some point people clear out their collections, and if they know a professor, they give them that game. And we hold on to it because it's goofy and fits our our uh, profession. So that's Survival of the Witless. So the last game that I wanted to talk about that's an interesting and unusual experience is a game from Wolfgang Warsh that came out in uh, 2018 called The Mind. Now The Mind is a weird little card game in which the goal is to uh, play the cards in your hand in order from lowest to highest. And the trick is, you're not supposed to use any communication with the other players to do that. All you do is you look at one another, and then one, every now and again somebody will decide to play a card, and if the card they play is lower than the cards in everyone else's hand, the group has succeeded and you go on to the next card. If the card they played is higher than any, anyone's cards, then you lose a life and uh, you discard all the cards that were lower. So there's a really interesting mechanism by which you're trying to get rid of all the cards in your hand and have the group get through with losing as few lives as possible. You have to play eight rounds in a two-player, or eight rounds in a four-player game, ten rounds in a three-player game, or twelve rounds in a two-player game. It is weird. It's really weird. Very interesting. But uh, when you find a group with whom you click and you're playing the mind, to quote many reviewers that I heard when this game came out, it feels like a magic trick because you're all sitting silently around the table and then someone will reach out and play a card and then you'll reach out and play a card or maybe suddenly you'll both decide to play a card at once and you'll slap them down and the person who gets their card down a half a second before the other one turns out it was the number just before it so 59 and 60 went down boom boom without realizing that they were that close uh or somebody put down 55 and then somebody will start to reach out to put one down and the person who put down 55 will slap down another one really fast and it turns out they had 58 and the person who was going a little slower was putting down 59 so they got both in there it's just it is a weird delightful experience and if you can get even three or four plays out of it it's well worth the 12 dollars or whatever they charge or you could just play it by finding a deck of cards from one to a hundred uh, if you have the game the game you could play the mind uh, without buying anything else, really. Uh, it's an interesting experience and really strange. And that's what uh, today is about, because this episode's coming out on Leap Day, an interesting and strange experience, and I want you to have that in your gaming life as well. So, what games did I miss? What games would you put on a list of interesting and strange experiences for Leap Day? Uh, pop over to Board Game Geek Guild 3269 
and head over to the pickup and deliver forums. You can find a link on our or uh, uh, on our uh, website or guild three two six nine. Uh, or reach out to me, Brendan at Rattlebox Games, or you could tweet at me at Rattlebox Games. I'm there, um, or any of a number of other places. Wombat929 is my online name in all the online game forums, and uh, I look forward to hearing from you. In the meantime, thanks for joining me. Our next episode will be a, the March Top of the Stack, so get ready to report on how you've been doing. And until next time, I hope your next walk is as pleasant as mine was. Bye-bye. Entities, ladies, gentlemen, beasts, and pan planar quasi real psychic manifestations. I am Sir Timlock Bumbleglave, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to the nightly morning news. An exciting new news report delivered directly into your consciousness by the propaganda committee of the Mind Flare Criers Guild. The Nightly Morning News is a two-minute news report perfectly timed to give you the news thou needeth to know to starteth thine day. If you begin brushing your teeth, fangs, or tusks at the chime of the bell and stop at the sounding of the gong, you will have brushed according to the dental dictates established by the Clerics Guild of Drag, as inspired by a strange pamphlet seemingly written by a mysterious organization calling themselves the American Dental Association, seen through a momentary interdimensional rift in the Clerics Guild headquarters. We look forward to sharing this exciting new program with you starting tomorrow morning. Until then, be well, my fellow citizens of Drag. Brought to you by Rattlebox Games. Yeah, yeah, yeah.